0: When you're 18 years old, you're going to live forever. Only old people die. Well, except for in car accidents and war. Fall of 1967. Seatbelts wouldn't be required in new cars for another year. Or in a seatbelt, wouldn't be required for another 18 years in Illinois. Rear-engine Corvairs and Volkswagens were notorious for the dangers of front-end crashes. And... Then there was Vietnam. We lost 11,363 Americans in Vietnam that year. Only 1968 would be worse, with 16,899 killed. Yeah, it was the best of times and the worst of times. I hadn't lost any friends to the grim reaper of war, at least not yet. That wouldn't happen until the following February. February 22nd, 1968, to be precise. Robert Jr. Neal, my best friend my senior year in high school, stepped on a landmine outside way that year. One month, one week, one day after his 18th birthday. George Washington's birthday. Handsome and soft spoken, he wanted to be a journalist. He intended to go back to his native Missouri and attend journalism school at the University of Missouri. Oh, he was regarded then and, and now as one of the top journalism schools in the country. Editor of the high school yearbook and basketball player. Hell of a guy. I got the call that cold, gray February day in my dorm room at the University of Illinois. Bob would have been a great journalist. He would have been a lot of great things. He likely would have written the defining novel about Vietnam. He didn't. He came home in a box, carried back in the cargo hold of an Air Force C-141, just like 58,220 other young Americans. A couple of years later, I'd stand on the flight line at Kadena Air Base, staring at the Escaping maw of a starlifter's open cargo doors, filled with those boxes, bearing someone's loved one, someone's dreams, home. That big gray bird would finish refueling. Cargo doors would ponderously swing shut. Jet fuel fumes would belch out of the four mammoth engines, and the load of H.R. lifted into the sky. H.R. That's military-speak for human remains. Human remains. That sounds better than corpse, I guess. Sounds better than body, maybe. The military likes to sanitize what we do with words that obscure reality. It doesn't fool anyone. Least of all those to whom the remains are being returned. Decades later, a, an angry, weeping mother would cry out to me, Why do they call it remains? It's my son's body, not remains. I couldn't answer her question. There's no answer to a grief-stricken mother's question about Department of Defense obfuscation. But like I say, that hadn't happened yet. It was still a bright fall of 67. The fighting line I were, as usual, losing most of their football games, but I'd trek over to Memorial Stadium, named in memory of the Illini who fought in World War I, and cheer them on anyway. I loved football. I loved the sound of popping pads and the official swistles blowing a play dead. At 5'8 and 155 pounds, I wasn't in any danger of playing football for a Big Ten team, even a losing one like Illinois. But I loved it nonetheless. I played football in high school. Played for Coach Don Hughes and the Sandwich Illinois Indians. Like you of I, we weren't very successful. Unlike Coach Hughes' previous sandwich teams, which had won conference championships and featured all-conference athletes. He did his best with us. He had a few good athletes. But most of us were too slow, too small, and too clumsy to have played anywhere but a 380-student rural high school. Even though we only won one game while losing seven, Coach Hughes got recruited the next year to coach at a larger suburban school closer to Chicago. Bigger school, bigger athletes, better facilities, more money. No surprise he took the job. I was off to Champaign to college, so I don't really know, but I'd bet that he drove his little Volkswagen on his commute from Sandwich to Mooseheart. Cheap on gas and seemed to really like zipping around in it. I got the call that fall morning from Huffy, Laura Huff, Bob Neal's girlfriend, and my fellow freshman at U of I. Huffy's family lived next door to Coach Hughes. She babysat his kids. She, like his football players, loved him. She called to tell me that he'd died in a car crash in his sporty little Volkswagen. Stunned, I knew I had to get home for the funeral. This was important. This was my first loss of someone who wasn't old. Someone who was important to me. Someone who shouldn't have died. I'd never taken a train by myself. I'd never traveled by myself. Took the Illinois Central Champaign to Chicago. Then the commuter train out to Aurora, where my parents picked me up. The next day... The day of the funeral, it rained. rained a lot. I stood in the rain with my football buddies near the stunned family, dressed in black. No raincoat, no umbrella. That fall rain soaked through my only sport coat, the brown camel hair sport coat I'd purchased two years earlier, the cheap dye washing out to stain the yellow button-down shirt underneath. He was a good man. He was gone. Oh, the world would continue to spin in its orbit, but my world was shaken. His family's world devastated. That night, Huffy's parents took us to the bus station a few miles west in Mendota for the three-hour bus ride back to Champaign. We are in the back of the bus. Don't ever ride in the back of the bus. Not a long-distance bus. That's where the bathroom is. It smells. It smelled and the Spanish-speaking families around us couldn't be understood. It was dark. We held each other. The world was no longer the safe place we'd thought. This is Reflections from the River with Bill Hanyardt. You can email me at Bill at BillHanyardt.com. That's B-I-L-L at B-I-L-L-E-N-Y-A-R-T dot com. Thanks for listening.